Welcome back to The Backmarkers, the F1 podcast for new fans by new fans. My name is Mike Hurley and I am joined by my co-driver, Austin Evans. I was like, co-pilot, that's not right. <laughs> teammate? Teammate. That's teammate. what I'm looking for. My there, teammate. I'm the George Cheer Lewis. Hello, hello, my friend. That was very kind of you. Uh, well, look, I can never be the master. Hang on. Historically kind. Currently not kind. We'll get to that a little later on. <laughs> yeah, it was actually it was a backhanded compliment. <laughs> uh-huh. Give us oh, a man. quick recap of the Miami Grand Prix, Austin Evans. I would love nothing more. So, if you're just tuning in, the race just wrapped up. Podium was something we're starting to get a little bit of an idea about for this year so far. So, we've gotten Max Verstappen coming in in P1, and then Charles and Carlos for Ferrari coming in P2 and P3. Going down the rest of the order, Checo at P4 almost got up there a couple times. And then we've got a couple Mercedes, P5 for Russell, P6 for Hamilton. And then we've got Valtteri Bottas for Alpha at P7. We've got Esteban Alcon, P8, Alonso, P9, although asterisk, maybe still potential penalties. And yep. our buddy Alex Albon for P10. Yeah, baby! Woo! Yeah. Um, okay, so that was... To sum up my initial thought of that race, it's like a couple of the other races we've seen this year where exciting, super mm-hmm. boring, exciting mm-hmm. right at the end, right? Which has been a weird mm-hmm. kind of trend. Like normally when you see a seven second gap between P1 and P2, you know, halfway through the race, you figure it's going to be over. But consistently we're getting either a safety car or some weather or something. This has really been spicing things up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's. Uh, I want obviously we're going to break down the race, uh, but I want to give a bit of context because this is a race worthy of some context because it was the first race of the season in America, in North America this year, and is the first ever race in Miami. Miami making its way to the calendar. This is a multi year expectation, right? It's a multi year deal with Miami. Yeah, I had heard one of the commentators say 10 years. I'm not entirely okay. sure if that's correct, but certainly it seems like it's a long-term kind of deal, um, which is exciting because, of course, you know, we've gone from having no races in the U.S. for several years, I think between, what, like 2006 and 2012 or whatever. Austin came on. It's been around for a good while now. And then back-to-back, we've got the very first Miami Grand Prix, which means that there's two U.S. races. And then next year, we will also have Las Vegas added to the calendar, which mm-hmm. uh, if it's anything like Miami, and I definitely expect it kind of will be, uh, talk about a party. This whole experience between having it built around the stadium and the slightly suspicious uh, quality of the track that they threw together in a parking lot, I mean, you know, take it or leave it. But it seemed yeah. like this thing was nothing but a massive party. Fun from the outside, although not fun if you're Martin Brundle trying to do a grid walk and getting shut down by everyone and smashed it. Like, that I didn't was... see the grid walk. <laughs> oh, you I didn't it? see it, but no, but I, I, I didn't turn it on. I was doing something just before the race today. Uh, but I, when I tuned in, uh, Crofty was saying that Brundle was, um, was trending on Twitter. So I went and looked it up and saw lots of memes oh. from Martin Brundle. It was, uh, it was rough because like the thing was. <sighs> He was trying to walk through, and you know, like the grid walks are usually pretty busy, but it was like unbelievably packed. And he kept trying to grab people. I think he grabbed like the wrong person at some point, um, yep. but it was just literally just like shoulder to shoulder. I mean, look, I'm excited that this is such an exciting race, but man, that looked uh, uncomfortable. I was one of those few times I had to look away. I was cringing way too hard watching it. But no, uh, please, I didn't see it then. I wasn't cringing at that race though. Like, it was there was some racing, right? Mm-hmm. Like I was a little mm-hmm. afraid going into this that it was not going to be the most exciting track, but. 
there was some good moments. There was some overpassing, overpassing, overtaking, under Speaking the of which, overpass. <laughs> it was so weird. Like I spotted it because I watched some of practice and some of uh, and all of qualifying uh, this weekend to see regular road traffic next to a Formula One race was very strange. That looked very, very weird. <laughs> the whole thing is so weird because so for context, it was built around the Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, which is the Miami Dolphins, the the NFL yep. team stadium. Um, and so I know that before the actual like race was fully confirmed, they've been trying to put this on for a couple of years. There was a lot of sort of discussion about where the track would be. And originally it was going to be on some like public roads and kind of go around, or I think even at some point people are trying to make it go through the stadium. Um, as far as I know, there was a lot of pushback from the local residents who actually right up until a week or two ago, were still protesting and suing and try to get the race canceled due to noise or whatever annoying people want to cancel people's fun for um but the basically the way that the track has ended up now is that it is entirely on the dolphins sort of or the hard rock stadiums kind of uh, property which means that obviously they were fairly limited right you can't go and do any of the like long beach grand prix or any of that kind of stuff we actually have like you know proper real roads but it seems like they did a pretty good job of actually making it an interesting place to yeah. be and talk about an interesting spot you've got the fake marina you've got oh, yeah man. like you said the traffic uh i don't know if you saw but uh on the way back from the uh, or to the podium uh it was just crazy at like the the police escort and like christian yeah, horner's in the way that. like that seemed a little wacky hopefully they get that smoothed out for next yeah. year yeah that wasn't great um i i thought i'd heard maybe this is about a different course that this is not the plan forever that they this was how they've done it this year but that there is an expectation of a more permanent setup than re like basically covering the uh, parking lot of the stadium. Yeah. I, I don't remember. Maybe that might have been about a different circuit. But I seem to remember that being a thing of like, it's not necessarily what they're going to do uh, going, going like go forever, basically. I think there's actually a fair bit of flexibility on the way they do it next year because this almost everything that you see for the race today was temporarily put up and will be taken down yeah. before the end, yeah. or I guess the beginning of the NFL season here in a few months. I would expect that they will probably be tweaking and tuning the layout for next year. I know some drivers weren't happy with a couple of the corners and whatnot. There was um, that chicane that was that was not good. And also yes. as well, this, I think, uh, you know, I could see that. And, and I think Ocon was, was saying it uh, more widely that the safety of the track was a little bit odd in some spots that they... they if they would have been able to put some some softer barriers, some tech pro, I think is what it's called, against some of the harder edges, it would have made things a bit better. I would think considering they have so much flexibility about how the track is clearly going to be reconstructed every year, if they're going to keep it at that site, um, I would hope that they would address some of that. Because otherwise, like people are saying, it was, and I would say, as a track was, was fine. Like yeah. it was good, you know, and it wasn't terrifying. Like Jeddah, for example, right? You know yeah. what I mean. Like I, I didn't enjoy that course. I didn't like to watch it, um, even though the, these are this is just another like constructed street race. Um, I think it was only that one area where, in free practice, I think we lost three cars mm, uh, in yeah. that that one area. Where if they were to tighten that up a little bit, I think overall the track was good. You know what? I actually kind of liked. It was a fun addition. That really short DRS zone. Yeah, the start pit lane. I thought that was like a, just an interesting thing. Uh, it was new. I haven't seen one so short before to my memory. And it did add a little bit of quick drama. So I thought that was fun. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, DRS was pretty much the way that all the passes happened with a couple of exceptions. But yeah, uh, I, yeah. I think... Especially going into it, a lot of the drivers this weekend were kind of complaining because this is a brand new surface. And one of the things yep. they'd done, I think they had like sort of like power washed the surface to try to get it to kind of be. It had been resurfaced a couple of times over the weekend. Sure. Yeah. 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 So people are like, oh, as soon as you go offline, there's no grip. Everyone's just going to be falling mm. around. It didn't really seem like it was that bad. And especially with no. that huge sort of back straight, uh, there was mm. some good racing going on. Also, there's just a lot of sort of interestingness right i mean so obviously lando had the coolest helmet of all time which was literally looked like a giant basketball you know you can um, buy a miniature of that yes i see he's, he's been selling a miniature of it <laughs> heavily promoting he's it big time yeah because yeah. <laughs> yeah, i don't know how this works specifically but that lando is selling that through his own website yeah lando, like, that doesn't go through mclaren i assume the helmets belong to the drivers i guess Right, uh, I'm not entirely sure. I think drivers because it seems have... like they have a lot of say over the design, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I would, ex- I, I'm just going to assume that the helmet designs are the driver's choice. I would think so. Not yeah. completely, uh, but yeah, I liked that. I I liked. Uh, it didn't get as much because of Lando didn't get much attention. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo had an Ace Ventura Pet Detective yep. themed helmet, and uh, the Mercedes, um, and I think. I think it was one other team. I think it were carrying different color, like different like colors to delivery this mm-hmm. weekend. Um, I really enjoyed all of that. I, I would, I wish that teams did more of that. Like you know, I think they're doing it this time because you know there is a big push. Uh, I think understandably to make F one a big deal this weekend. Um, there has been a lot of promotion I've been seeing right, like in in American media and all the late night talk shows and stuff. Uh, and it seems like it's working. Like you know, this combined with Drive to Survive, you know, more U.S. races is boosting the sport. Um, I don't know if you can speak much to that. Like I don't oh, know if you've seen absolutely. much difference. Yeah. Okay. So it really feels like over the last few years, uh, the excitement around F1 has done nothing but grow, and it's been helped, of course, by the fact that we've had a couple of really great seasons, especially last year. But on top of yeah. that. It's one of those things that Formula One for decades has tried to really break into the American market. And it seems like thanks to Drive to Survive, it just keeps growing and growing and growing. And I know that most people I knew, like Formula what? Oh, that European thing? Like even a few years ago. Now it is very common to just see like, oh, I'm excited for the race or you see it on TV or or whatever. It was also um, since, you know, the the US uh, broadcast is typically done on ESPN. It's usually done like 6 a.m. or whatever. But this is actually done on ABC, which is one of the main broadcasts broadcast networks um also some interesting stuff there as far as the tv rights uh there's a whole thing about like i think it's going to change in the u.s for next year and apparently i i'm not sure don't don't quote me on this but apparently with uh espn they have the rights right now and uh, like they got them for free or something because no one cared about formula one like three years ago or something that surprised me yeah yeah so it seems like things are dramatically ramping up and the miami race looked like it was an incredibly popular venue but oh man uh okay so mike on top mm. of the ridiculous amount of sort of hype around this event, all the celebrities, Pierre Gasly chilling with Michael Jordan, no big deal. Uh, there was actually a lot to talk did, about. Wait, did on you track see the picture well. of Lewis? It was like a picture of Lewis with Jordan, David Beckham, Ooh. and 
Tom Brady, the four of them together. Wow. Goats like, on goats. quite a picture. Yeah, it was. <laughs> that was pretty in- intense. But sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, I was just saying, on top of all the excitement, I feel yeah. like we've had so much to dig into around the race. There's also a mm. lot that happened on track, starting, like you yeah. said earlier, with there was a lot of action and practice sessions and qualifying. Mm. And I mean, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but quite a few people found the barrier, none more so than Esteban Ocon, who completely cracked his chassis. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it was in FP3 yesterday, right? Yes, that was why he started um, at the very back today, except for those that were in the pits. I didn't see what happened to the Aston Martins. Do you oh. know why they were starting from the pits today? Yeah, so both Aston Martins had relatively good qualifying. However, there was something about their fuel was too cool. So, actually, this is something I didn't even know until today. Apparently, <laughs> all... fuel's too cool, man. <laughs> too cool. <laughs> so, apparently... All F1 teams try to cool the fuel as much as they can before they put it in the vehicle, um, which supposedly helps with like horsepower and just, you know, being better or something. However, I guess Aston Martin, because it was such a hot day, they chilled the fuel too much. And apparently there's like a minimum temperature the fuel has to hit. And I guess because they had already pumped it in the car, they didn't have time to pump it all out and get back to the grid or whatever. And they knew that they were gonna if they tried to enter the race without doing it, they were either gonna get disqualified or something. There was some nonsense there. So basically they just decided to take the L straight off the bat and right. start for the pit lane by pumping the fuel out and warming it up. Or I, it all seemed really weird and technical. It happened at the last minute. Um, but one of those technicalities, although I guess to be fair, last year Seb did lose a podium due to some other fuel-related shenanigans, so they yeah, probably that. didn't want to risk it too much. But yeah, that was what mm-hmm. happened like three or four minutes before the race started. Okay, uh, so the the race started. Max took the lead early. Uh, he took it, I think, on the first DRS-enabled lap, right? Like he was getting close to him um, prior. Like he took he took it very early in the race. I think it was within the within the first. I don't know, five or ten laps. It was, yeah, it was certainly early. And, of course, he got the jump right uh, up into turn one on Carlos, who uh, I was a brave move for oh, Max yeah. watching that replay. Like, he just fully sent it and trusted Carlos to not run straight into the side of him. But, yeah. I mean, Max it's ran, what he does, right? Yeah, yeah. No, this I mean, is what he does. Max has, if you could say nothing else about him, a lot of confidence all the mm-hmm. time, no matter what. If he's got four wheels underneath yep. him, he's going to send it and he's going to trust that it's going to stick and that no one's going to hit him because uh, he knows <laughs> where he wants his car to be and he will do whatever it takes to put it there. Yeah. That's is- what puts him. Yeah. Maybe it's according to soon. I had this realization today. He's going to win the championship. Ooh, that's spicy. I mean,. He's either still winning or not finishing races. Uh, so I believe this is the fifth yeah. race that he's either won, which I think is that puts him at three wins, and he's uh, not finished the other two. So Yeah, because um, it's the stat that they keep saying over and over and over on commentary is getting into my brain, which is if he starts, he wins. That or, has been including the sprint. He, like, if he... <laughs> Sorry, yeah, no, so if he sees the checkered flag, yes, so if he yes. if he sees the checkered flag, he wins. And like so, that is like if if his car can stay together, he is winning races. And there is quite clearly the speed advantage mm. that they have. Red Bull has a clear speed advantage now. Yep. Of course, if Ferrari can f- make up that gap which is very possible then we could be talking about a different equation here because i think honestly i think 
putting the two of them together, putting Leclerc and Verstappen together, and I think you are getting two drivers that are uh, pretty evenly matched. I think the first few races of the season have shown that. I think all the races of the season have shown that. But I think that the Red Bull at the moment is getting that extra speed. You can see it happening, right? Like, you can just watch it happen. Like, especially with DRS. With DRS, like, Max can catch Leclerc every time. Leclerc cannot catch Max just on in the straight line speed. So I think, you know, obviously Red Bull have done just an absolutely superb job and have nailed every part of that car. Now they've got it to be reliable too, right? Well, so far, and, yeah. There was the problem yeah. with Checo that almost took him out of the race. He lost like six or seven seconds uh, about halfway through. Yeah, that through seemed to be a sensor issue more than an actual mechanical problem though, right? Like that, mean, that's what it seems that they're saying. Yeah. But even then though, it didn't, it didn't seem to actually hurt Checo's race as such. Like, I don't know if I would have... I think it was a toss-up between Perez and Sainz today anyway. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it hurt him for a bit, for a few laps, but he seemed to he seemed to make it up, right? Like, um, but yeah. A bit. I don't know. I actually feel like uh, if he didn't have that problem, he would have had Carlos. Carlos did not look super strong yeah. at any point yeah. throughout the race. I mean, he still ended up you know, sort of grabbing the podium, but... Uh, he finished. He, he he finished the race, an important part. But I feel great. I'm great. I feel so happy for Carlos. Like yeah. I for him to actually not just finish a race, like because he's had some real tough luck. Um, but to, for him to get on the podium, I, I feel great for him right now. It's it's definitely helping him out in the in the driver standings. Yeah, it's putting him up. It put it's it's he's up at fifth now. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's it's yeah. been interesting to see because you know. The first few races of the year gave us a little bit of an idea that, oh, Ferrari are just insanely fast, period. But now it seems like we've got a little bit, especially with more data points, we've got a little bit more of a nuanced look on things. because, And even sort of Christian Horner before the race was talking a little bit about it, that it seems like going into this race, obviously brand new track, all the teams are going to take the best guess. It's a very educated guess, but still a guess at what the best setup for the cars is. Now, Red Bull has already had, generally speaking, a straight line speed advantage throughout, right? They're Generally speaking, mm-hmm. they've just had a lower drag car and it seems like they really accentuated that this race so red bull went for a lower sort of downforce sort of setup which meant that through parts of the track specifically through like sector one and some of the uh, slower stuff they were not as fast however it doesn't really matter so much because they were so much faster in a straight line than ferrari who opted for a much more sort of downforce focused layout and yeah, that was great for them. Again, sort of it got them sort of really great qualifying positions. But ultimately in the race, they could not handle the incredible straight line speed. I mean, Checo was down some number of horsepower and he was still right there on Carlos, right? And Max, mm-hmm. obviously, short of the end with the safety car bunching everything up, was pretty much in control of the race, like you said, since, you know, fairly early on. So to me, it really feels like the momentum has swung back in Red Bull's favor. Yep. If they can keep the car reliable and if they can really continue to kind of push on that advantage because Ferrari, they seem like they're very close and maybe it's a little bit more of a well-rounded car. But Red Bull's better where it counts, which is the speed because you ain't first yeah. to last. But what I will say for Ferrari is I think they were the, really the only top-tier team this year that had their car perfect from the beginning yeah. and, have, and it's maintained. So my hope for them is that they will be able to find a little bit more out of that car over the next few races. Speaking of which, Mercedes brought their first upgrades to the Miami Grand Prix, and I think 
clearly shown the difference for them yes. this week. They they had a very weird uh, FP1 and FP2, where I think George was fastest in FP2. <laughs> FP3 was an absolute nightmare, uh, and qualifying wasn't that great. George really uh, had a terrible qualifying. But, you know, they with a good strategy and well, a good racing from the two of them, and if George in at fifth, Lewis in at sixth, that is a much more consistent uh, result for Mercedes than we have seen, I think, so far, um, or at least for the last few races. I think maybe the... Actually, you know what I say? I think this is Mercedes' most consistent because yep. this was them at fifth and sixth without any any shenanigans happening in ahead of them. Nobody crashed out. Right, no one had like nothing terrible happened. Right, they I th- that, that in theory would have really affected them. You know, th- the DNFs that we did have, I don't think would have been uh, in uh, ahead of them anyway. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think that this was definitely uh, their best performance. And you know, I will take. Uh, I felt sorry for Lewis, and also was thought he was being a bit ridiculous, complaining about how strategy messed him over. It's like I could see it from both sides, from his perspective, like the strategy messed him up again. Like he lost out to George on strategy again. However, how, they were on completely different strategies based on the fact that George was all the way back in 12th. Yeah. So they played it perfect. They, they, they were banking on there being some kind of accident, which was definitely the way to think. So they put George on the hard. He had a terrible start to the race, just mm-hmm. really bad because it obviously took a while for those tires to come to life. But then by halfway through the race, he set in his best sectors. And, and then he was lucky to get that um, the, the, the safety car, which we'll talk about in a minute, and it put him in the perfect position to go on. And I loved, I loved seeing the two of them fight against each other. Yeah. Uh, it was really great. It was really, really great action. Um, and I'm also, you know, honestly, I, f- I was pleased that that happened. I was pleased that team orders weren't needed to be given <laughs> because can, like, it just would have been a bad look, right? Yeah. For Lewis to be told to get out of the way for George. It's like, no one wants that. Right. No one wants to do that, letting the two of them to fight out against each other. But it's like, you know, I can I could hear in Lewis the frustration, which I Mm. understand. But at the same time, it's like you guys were on completely different strategies. Like this was always the plan. You wouldn't have wanted to be on those hard tires based on where you were starting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's clear that George has been doing terrific this season. And mind you, George is the best. I love him. He's having such a fantastic season. Absolutely. And I mean, mind you, George has had far better luck than Lewis, which I think kind of flatters that comparison a little bit. Because I mean, you look at the straight points and the results, it seems like Lewis is just getting absolutely destroyed by George. However, in reality, while I think George has been performing really well and probably a little bit better than Lewis, it's nowhere near that huge chasm of, again, it's multiple times now that George caught a really lucky safety car. He had the messy qualifying and whatnot. But it's clear that Mercedes, while they're still nowhere near where they really ought to be up there fighting with the Red Bulls and the Ferraris, are in much better shape to actually be at least, very least, best of the rest in P3, right? I mean, I don't think well, any... Look, I've, I've got the driver's standings in front of me now, right? I've got them up against us. So George is still in fourth with 59 points. Sergio's third of 66. A lot can still change as, oh, like yeah. for everyone, right? But like, for as I keep, talk, I keep talking about this, like we're only five races in got like 18, 17, 18 races left to go in the calendar. A lot can still change for everybody's season. And a lot can still change for Mercedes too. I mean, there's a gap. There is like a 60-point gap nearly between them and Red Bull right now and Ferrari because they're both really tight. But, 
you know, this is, as I keep going back to like the, the fact that they have been able to complete the races of both drivers for every single race so far this season, which is something Ferrari and Red Bull have not been able to do. A lot could still change between here and there, both the constructors and the drivers, if Mercedes can start to get a handle on that car. Um, yeah. We're just going to have to wait and see. It's good. It's like, in some ways, it's nice to see that Mercedes clearly took a step forward this weekend. However, yep. it also, in equal parts, is a little concerning that they seem to take that huge step forward in FP2 and then almost immediately were completely nowhere and had a super messy qualifying. Like, it seems like there's clear potential in the Mercedes. They obviously have excellent drivers and an excellent team around it, but it seems like they're constantly confused as to what is going on. The car is yeah. great. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. It's in the middle. Like, it's so inconsistent. And as a race a racing driver, if you're being tossed around, being porpoising all over the place, trying to pick your breaking points, it's I can't imagine how difficult it is to really build the confidence in the car that you need. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're braking from over 200 miles an hour, as you're bouncing up and down and trusting that the car is going to stop and make the turn exactly the way you expect, lap after lap, it's, it's tough, right? So mm-hmm. it's good to see them take a step. I think they probably need two or three more of those steps to really be back on the pace. My oh, yeah. just kind of thought is, though, is that in the time it takes them to take a couple more steps, Red Bull and Ferrari will be just that much farther down the road. Yeah, I think by the end of the season, they'll be back in race winning contention, but it won't be enough to make any meaning. Like, yeah. what I'll say, I think at a minimum, by the end of the season, Mercedes are back in to podium contention, mm-hmm. race winning contention, but it might be too late. Like, I think that's the minimum. Yeah, My hope would be that within the next couple of races, we could start to see a different a different car. But that's just my hope talking. But but realistically, I just can't imagine them going for the rest of the entire season without making some kind of meaningful step. But we'll yeah. see. Yeah, I agree. Rough race for Lando Norris. Oh. It was just a bad race in general for McLaren. They yeah. had a bad race. In, like Again, I don't know what happened. They seem to have had, they were doing pretty decent uh, in, in free practice and in qualifying. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, it was, it was okay for them. It wasn't a disaster. And it all just seemed to fall apart. And then Lando, Lando took a very unlucky slash lucky accident. So like, you know, he was hit by Gasly, hit real hard. Uh, and he span a bunch and miraculously avoided all the walls. Yeah, I mean, clearly damage to the car, damage to his ego maybe. Um, I, watching the replays, I've seen it a few times now, I don't understand what Pierre was doing. He seemed like he kind of got offline and then flustered and then just sort of swung wide and then cut the other way yep. and then come back across, completely missing Lando. It seemed like he was maybe he even on the radio. Mm. Uh, I'm kind of actually surprised that Pierre didn't get a penalty for that. That seemed like straight up like he ruined Lando's race. He was well, driving I was say not yet, right? Who knows, right? Like yeah. it, I, McLaren might um, might make some kind of contest. I don't know, just, but it's I don't know, man. It's just it's one of those things where sometimes penalties seem so nebulous they kind of get tossed around mm-hmm. generally speaking this year hasn't been too bad but i look at something like that that is one of the most egregious things of you're literally all over the place off the track on the track not paying attention and you no. basically force someone else and wipe them out i mean that look i love pierre i really do think he is an incredibly high caliber of driver uh that was one of the most sloppy mistakes i've ever seen him make i don't understand what was going on which is mm. tough mind you i don't think it ultimately ended up mattering that much for either of them because clearly pierre was not really going anywhere this race i mean alpha towery were nowhere yuki was like at the back almost immediately 
And on top of that, Lando, I mean, uh, it almost, I would think it's probably better to, to crash out than uh, get a, a P-16 or P-17. There really didn't seem like there were a whole lot of points. Yeah. Maybe could salvage the P-10 or something at the end since Danny Rick was able to come up. But, like, rough race for them. And it does seem like McLaren are very much almost kind of like Mercedes in some ways, where it's like sometimes they've got the pace, they've got it figured out. Other times they're absolutely nowhere and they don't really know what they're doing. It just seemed like for, for McLaren this week, they were just slow. Like they just, this track didn't suit them, that something was going on. They just weren't fast. Um, yeah, Gambit in the chat's kind of mentioning that Lando had mentioned that it uh, was a racing incident in the interviews. It's fair. Maybe Lando hadn't seen Pierre's cameras <laughs> because what it looked like is Pierre Gasly wasn't paying attention. Yeah, I just I don't I, know. I, I don't know. I really don't understand what Pierre was doing. I really don't get like he went so far off. Like if he was like having a car problem, that that makes more sense. But looking at the replay a couple times, it just looked like he just like went wide and then went way too wide. Was taking a second to collect it up. It just wasn't paying attention. Which fair enough. Obviously, you know, there's not great visibility, but super yep. strange, super super strange. Yep. I think I missed this, but Yuki is ahead of Pierre in the drivers' championship so far this year. Ten points for Yuki, six for Pierre. Yeah, that's weird. Well, uh, I think because wasn't Yuki the only one who finished the first race? Because uh, Pierre's car caught so. on fire there. I think mm-hmm. unreliability has been a little bit stronger for for Pierre, I believe. And I know Yuki had a great race last uh, last time out, but yeah, it's uh, it's wild, my friend. Uh, how about the lucky people in this race, though? Right, like having that safety car at the end, I think, was a huge help because at that point there were a number of drivers who had not pitted yet. And of course, if you're new to Formula One, you have to change your tires at least once in the race, yep. unless it's a, a wet race, which it almost seemed like it was going to be for a second. But super, super lucky for people like George, people like Alcon, um, just being able to get a much cheaper pit stop and saving a ton of time. And realistically, the only reason George was able to beat Lewis was because he got incredibly lucky being able to go yep. long on those hards, swap over to fresh tires, and be right there on it toward the end. Not just beat Lewis. It's the only reason he was coming in at fifth. Like, yeah. I don't think George would have been able to get into the top 10 or very far into the top 10 without that. And look, it wasn't just luck. It was strategy from Mercedes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I, I think everybody down... There was... Everyone was on mediums except those very, at the very bottom of the pack. And they were playing on that strategy of like, look... This weekend, people have been crashing left, right, and center on this course. We're going to have a safety car, is the theory, right? So we'll just get, and also as well, I'll say it was uh, George Russell as well was was getting involved on that strategy. They were asking him, right, what do you want to do? And he's like, I want to keep going. I'm, I reckon it's going to be a safety car. Let me keep going, right? And yeah, so like call. George definitely made an excellent call today. It wasn't. It wasn't luck as such. There is luck, this fortune, I would say, that plays into. Uh, those that make that decision, right? Yeah. But they also could have tried to alb on it, right? He could have mm. tried to go like right to the end. Who knows, right? Um, but it ended up working out just perfectly for George, and they took advantage of what they needed to. But and again as well, like to to play a strategy like that, right? He had to have a race that specifically catered to that. He had to be easy on those tires. So I think all in all, it ended up playing very well for them and the strategy that Mercedes set. But there's definitely some fortune in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Alex Albon picking up a point. I gotta say, I, I'm a big fan of the changes to the Williams livery. Yeah, they have an actual sponsor. Surprise! No, see, they did have. See, this is wow. interesting. So, Duracell signed on with them a couple of weeks before the season begun, mm-hmm. and it just said Duracell on the side of the car. 
And I was very disappointed because I was like, there are interesting things you could do with Duracell's colors, right? The black and kind of bronzy gold. And then in Imola, they didn't have any sponsors on the car. Which is wild. For, there were for two reasons savings. for this. Well, I think they, they, well, they changed the weight savings was they were putting more carbon fiber on the body of the car. Yeah. And I think that was a late addition. So they had to cut, it looks like cut into what they had. They didn't have the livery ready to put back on the car. And they also were saying it was visibility of the sponsors was another thing that they were struggling with. So it was sponsors off. So, but and I think what they've done with Duracell is like, we're really sorry. How about we make you an incredibly <laughs> prominent part of the car livery design now? But I think it looks great. Like up on the top, like what is that area called above the head? Like the, the, that intake the, oh, atop the head? Uh, yeah, the, the intake, yeah. The air it box. looks it's shaped like a battery, and now it's a Duracell battery. I think it looks great. Like yeah. I, it's one of my favorite like integrations of a brand into a car that we've got this year. It's it's close with the chrome wheels for me on the yeah. McLaren. Yeah. I think it looks really great, and I just feel happy for Williams having like an actual real sponsor, and then Alex to keep pulling those points in. And again, as we mentioned, as we are recording, Alex finished. 10th so getting one point but there were potentials of potentially i'm not sure if it's anything's changed yet of uh some penalties potentially mm. for alonso which could yeah. bump albon up a bit yeah yeah because alonso got a five second penalty uh actually i think it was a, an incident with with gasly i think um which knocked him down to p9 and yeah but uh yeah i mean obviously alex had another solid good ride uh and his teammate did not. Um, Latifi, mm-hmm. I think, still is just looking like he's really out of his depth. You know, I mean, it was one thing to be beaten by George, who was obviously a super talent. Nothing against Alex. I think he's a solid driver. But for him to be out of F1 for a year, hopping in and com- comprehensively just demolishing uh, Latifi is is tough, right? I know Latifi brings a lot of money in, but that's uh, there's a lot of great young talent out there. And it really seems like Latifi is not grabbing that yeah. race seat and sort of earning it in any sort of meaningful way. Um, I genu- I know we keep talking about this every episode, but I implore Williams to make a different call for next season. Oh, absolutely. I, I think Latifi has had enough of a run at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and Williams have made lots of tough decisions with their driver lineup. They made a great decision with Alex, and look what you can get. Yeah. I mean, at a certain point, they have to realize this, right? Like, they have a points-winning car again, and they're not getting it. They could be getting points every race with at least one of them. If they had somebody else that mm. could bring this in you know like george was doing it latifi did do it last year but george did it more you oh, know of course yeah well you know it's, it's something that's interesting I, I feel like the last couple of years it's really kind of shown that there are real number ones and number twos at almost every team now right i mean there are very few teams i'd say alpine's probably one of the only ones where the drivers seem pretty evenly matched right i mean we're i seeing... would say mercedes right now though right like yes, i think at the yes. moment it's it's actually i don't think you could pick out of george and lewis yeah um you know i think that, that as you said before i think there are reasons that george handles that car currently more than lewis uh and we, we're gonna have to wait and see what it's gonna be like once the car actually settles in but i yeah. genuinely think just with i think george is a is a future champion and oh I, I Mercedes have looked into that with him. But if you look at, all right, I mean, Leclerc is. But just, aside, yeah. 
Yeah, Leclerc uh, is clearly ahead of Carlos right now. Max yep. ahead of uh, Perez. Valtteri ahead of Jorgen Yu. Like, yeah, it, and I know that Yuki is currently ahead of Pierre, but Pierre is the better driver by yeah. and large. Yeah, right? Yuki's, so like, you can go down the whole list. You're right. That's a yeah, good, that's a good insight. It's just one of those things where it's always the conversation about you know the car is incredibly important and you could put Lewis Hamilton in a Williams and he still might not score points right as you see sometimes Lewis is not scoring points in a crappy yep. Mercedes right like the cars make the difference however what we're seeing is new tracks an entirely new type of car and you're really sort of seeing, I don't say like the cream rising to the crop, but, you know, I mean, uh, where's Daniel versus Lando, right? Lando has been really, really sort of taking the fight to, to, to Daniel and making it almost a little difficult to, to see McLaren sort of re-signing Ricardo again for next year. Like, it's just interesting to see the dynamics between the teams and the teammates. And uh, moments like, oh, dude, like, it was so sad to see. I was rooting for Mick so much. He was doing so well. He was up there. And then not yeah, only does he not get a point, but runs blatantly into probably his best friend on the grid, Seb, and just... Uh, what an absolute nightmare was that? Like, oh my god! It was that was heartbreaking. That was heartbreaking, and Mick sounded so sad too. Yeah. Like in a way that drivers don't usually sound. Like, I don't mean this disparagingly, but he sounded young in that mm-hmm. moment. Like he actually sounded like like he he kind of like sunk into himself a little yeah. bit, and it made him sound like. It was like, oh, no. it was just, it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. I, I was really rooting for him. Because, look, like everyone, I think, I want to see Schumacher do well. Of course. Like, just, you know what I mean? Like, just to see that name continue to mean something big. Yeah. And he is having consistently good performances at the moment right like by and large is like you can see it was one not consistent but you can see these moments in him where you're like oh yeah you know what i think you might be able to do this like today he was better he raced a better racing than magnuson did right Almost. like he, he <laughs> yeah but like he was like you know pushing past and he was making his move and and yeah it was it was it was a shame it was a real real shame yeah yeah absolutely i mean it's just one of those things where uh, you can be amazing 99% of the race. You have one colossal failure like that, which again, I mean, you know, uh, it's it's tough, blah, blah, blah. But like he very clearly misjudged that situation and just plowed right into Seb. I mean, I don't know if you saw how high up in the air Seb's car actually went with like sort yeah. of properly yeah. airborne. Like that's just tough. I mean, and you know, it's a, sim- a simple single mistake and you know that it, he won't make it again. But also... You see with a lot of these guys, and of course, you know, I just, confidence, I think, is a big one, right? Confidence mm. is absolutely what you need. You need to completely trust the car, completely trust the drivers around you, the track, all these kind of things to get the most out of your vehicle. And when you see, obviously, Mick's not a rookie anymore, but, you know, he's still you know, only, you know, in his second sort of season. You make a mistake like that, that stings. That's going to make you, that little voice in the back of your head, like, should I really send it next time he goes out? Like, it's it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. So. Yeah, man. Ah, what seemed like it was going to be a very boring, simple, placid race ended up actually having a lot more excitement than I was afraid. You know, twenty minutes before the the checkered flag fell. 
All right, this episode is brought to you by our friends over at Mint Mobile. Families come in all shapes and sizes, and the variety isn't always reflected in the big wireless company's family plans. That's why Mint Mobile decided to shake up the wireless industry with their brand new modern family plan. Each line starts at 15 bucks a month, and you only need two lines to get started. No matter how big or small your family is, you deserve to save on your wireless service. For people who don't like getting their phone bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or for a family and at mint family start at two lines all plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5g network plus mint mobile's modern family plan lets you mix and match data plans so everyone gets the amount of data that's right for them this is so cool and something i know i would benefit from right like if everybody was just at the same price level but you can tailor it to meet everyone's needs i think that's super cool it would save me money and hassle and time and aggravation yeah, you absolutely. can use your own. For, yeah, all right, you can use your own <laughs> phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. So switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service. To get your new wireless plan for fifteen bucks a month, including the Modern Family plan, go to mintmobile.com/backmarkers. That's m-i-n-t-m-o-b-i-l-e.com/backmarkers. Go there right now. Cut your bill to fifteen bucks a month at mintmobile.com/backmarkers. Our thanks to Mint Mobile for their support of the Backmarkers and all of Relay FM. So, speaking of backmarkers, who is your favorite backmarker of the race? Oh, I mean, okay, again, uh, backmarkers, uh, for the record, nebulous term, just someone who... I don't think there was any by the end of the race this this time, right? Because it got settled by the safety car. Yeah, so I, this, think, I like when that happens because it means that we can play fast and loose with our own rules. Yeah, and I mean, it's got to be Alex, right? Alex was not only backmarker of the race, I think he had one of the performances of the yeah. race. Uh, yeah. Clearly was absolutely nowhere in qualifying. Got a little bit lucky, a few cars, you know, with the Astons and whatnot having to start from the pit lane, but still mm-hmm. was not in great shape, but he just slowly but steadily kind of caught up. And he actually was in that DRS train for quite a while and did not mm-hmm. find himself falling off of the back of it. Again, I think... It's tough with the Williams because Latifi's nowhere to really know what the real pace of that car is. Seeing Alex doing so well seems like it's one of those things where at least there's some pace in the car, but Alex just race after race, just like George used to do, seems like he's pulling everything he can. The difference is, unlike what George was uh, able to do for quite a while, Alex is just able to hit those P10s, whereas in the past it was always like, oh, George got... 11th oh george got 12th he's been able to now twice this year pull in at least one point which is i think very respectable considering that that car doesn't really seem like it's always worthy of even being anywhere near those points paying places yeah i mean i would say albon too for the same reason i mean mostly because i think once you go down from 11 to 15 we're the only other finishers of the race with ricardo stroll sonoda latifi and schumacher uh there wasn't really much there's not really much more to go on. Like, I don't think that there was anything spectacular in that. Um, I can see that people in the chat, including Matthew, are starting to say about Mick, so why don't we talk about our underperformer of the race? Uh, I think that Austin Evans has been pretty harsh. Yeah, look. what I can see in our document here. Mick is 100% the underperformer of the race for me, right? I think he was doing so well, but you cannot, at this level of racing make such a massive error, right? It's like he didn't even see Seb coming in. You know, he jumped on the radio. He was like, oh, I thought it was my corner. Look, it wasn't. And that was such a spectacular crash, right? I mean, that was something that 
with more experience should have absolutely just back out of it, right? Yeah, like, you, there were pieces was, flying off everywhere. This wasn't just touching, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, he destroyed his front wing. Like, uh, like it was bad. I mean, I don't know if he just expected Seb just to hop out of the way or something, but like, yeah, uh, it's easy for us, you know, to sit back and critique someone, and you know, you're in the heat of the moment. You think you've got the corner. You're trying to be brave. Blah blah blah. But like. Looking at that, it is impossible not to think that while Mick had a great race, he threw it away there. And ultimately, you can have the world's greatest race, but if you don't make the finish line, if you make a mistake, I mean, just like last uh, time out, you know, Charles was having a really solid race and everything. He made one mistake, got sent to the back and punished for it, right? I don't think you can just say, oh, because you did great almost the entire time and made one huge mistake, that does not absolutely make you an underperformer. I mean, that's why mine's Pierre. For everything yeah. we said earlier, uh, Pierre is better than this. Um, I think, look, again, we are saying it as outside observers, but I don't know what was going on with him. Like, there didn't really seem to be anything wrong with the car, and he was struggling to control it, and then just seemed to not look when he re-entered the track. And that just feels like, from everything that I've heard, commentators and drivers talk about is like 101 right if you mm-hmm. leave the track you have to pay attention to when you're coming back on yep. and because of the fact that he did not seem to be paying attention today he completely destroyed another driver's race you know if you do that if you mess up for yourself that's one thing but you and it's like that's the same with with uh with schumacher right like you and you your mistake putting somebody else's race to an end is like that's just it's the worst kind of way to go i think mm-hmm. you know, if you're gonna not be paying attention and put and slip off and put yourself in the barrier you've only harmed yourself and obviously your team but like by hitting someone or making a mistake and hitting someone else especially when it's this kind of mistake mm-hmm. which i think is particular for pierre like with mick it was a bad mistake, but they were racing each other, right? Yes, yes. Pierre, <laughs> there was nothing going on between him and Lando in that moment. Yeah. Right? Like, it was just he, like, yeah, it was that was really rough. It was really, really rough. No, I agree. Honestly, I feel like both of them probably deserve to be in that tier. Of just, you can't do that stuff. You cannot do that stuff. Yep. I will say, if I'm going to give props to anyone, it's uh, the fact that, all the drivers had to deal with such awful conditions. I mean, you saw, I mean, especially in the uh, in the cool-down room, which, uh, just side note, I loved that right before they actually like fully went over and were like set up for the cool-down room, the TV had a giant mind-your-language thing up. It. I of didn't course, see that. It, yeah, it was, it was only up there for a second. Of course, Carlos immediately That's just drops hilarious. an F-bomb. So funny. I Did love it. these cool-down rooms. <laughs> He's like, I can like, just <laughs> hear it in the background. But like, Adina pointed out to me that like, they had to just do like a full-on shot of Charles for a while because uh, <laughs> he was Carlos changing. took his shirt off. He just, <laughs> just takes it. That's how you get out of it. You don't want to be filmed. Just take your shirt off. No problem. Uh, I don't think uh, that had the effect that he was trying for. If that's the case, I think the camera was like, yo, uh, looking, <laughs> looking good, my friend. Yeah, what's, uh, up? Yeah, what's up? But uh, that, that cool-down room, again, I just love this back, uh, made it really clear mm-hmm. That this was a brutal race. It was hot. Yeah, they looked rough, man. They were like most of them were wearing like cool suits and whatnot. But like you see them just sitting down, just like just wrecked, right? I mean, these are incredible athletes who are used to racing and being in these conditions. But like this seemed like it was a particularly rough one. Which if you've ever been to the south of Florida, uh, I'll tell you, it's hot and it's humid and just sticky and nasty. So imagine doing all that. I think as well, it must be emotionally exhausting when they do not know this course. Yes. Right. 
Yeah. Like Max was saying, he barely knew it. He did like five laps of it. Like he just barely knew it. And he was just kind of working it out as he went along. Like that's not great, right? Like, and this isn't to say you can't have new courses. Of course you can. But like what I'm saying is you can see how a race like this would be much harder on the driver where they're still, they don't have that inbuilt muscle memory, right? Mm -hmm. Like they were saying that like, at this point, you're still kind of judging where your braking area is. Yeah. Which is with these bouncy cars that everybody has this still, the porpoise thing. Like, it seems like it's not affecting really anyone as bad anymore. Everyone's getting better. But you see it. Everybody has it. You know, like, we only really were focusing on Mercedes and McLaren because they were struggling the most. And it therefore seemed to be affecting their race, right? But, like... They're all getting it, like, and, and it makes it really hard for them to work some of this stuff out, I bet. Yeah. Uh, They're all it's, bouncing. It's, it's tough. It's tough. But, yeah, yeah, I just I felt for the drivers. And, you know, you mm. look at some of the, the things which almost seem like a little bit like sort of silly mistakes on the behalf of Mick and Pierre. But, you know, you think about you're over an hour in, you're thirsty, you're, you probably lost a couple kilos of weight just in sweat. Yeah, it's 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 easy to just lose concentration for a second or misjudge something. So I get it. It's just it's really really tough. Uh, mm-hmm. Mike, what was your personal favorite thing from the race? Uh, I hated why it happened, but the safety car. Um, yep. it, I will say, look, Mike Hurley says there are no boring races. Right, <laughs> I'm never bored, but this race was definitely. Less exciting than I was expecting from it up until that point. Mm. The start was exciting, first few laps, but then it's really settled in and not a lot was going on. And I think we were all expecting there to be a little more fireworks. So what that did was kind of what I was hoping would happen is it brought the track back together again and then some more interesting stuff was playing out. I just wanted to say about this because it's reminded me of something with a safety car. This is probably my own, I would say, uh, ridiculous and controversial opinion. I wished every safety car restart was a standing start. Yeah. I just like standing starts. I love standing starts. It's where the most excitement is. It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) This is completely unfair to basically every (laughs) driver. But Mike Hurley would like if every race restart was a full-on race restart. Because... It would just be fun, but there's like that makes everything worse for everyone except me and what <laughs> I like out of racing. I love I love standing starts. I could not agree more. Uh, who cares about what these drivers think or these teams? <laughs> I want entertainment. I also want to see everyone do a demolition uh-huh. derby after the race and see who the real like extra point goes to. Uh, look, it's the <laughs> entertainment. One more point for the only car standing. Yep. One point. That's what you're giving them. All right, fair enough. Oh, uh, dude. I mean, for me, uh, outside of the future demolition derby, 2023, mm. I'm gonna definitely mm-hmm. buy tickets to that. Um, it was just the hey, fact the that- more we push into the American market, the more, mm. the closer we get to the likelihood of demolition derby in Formula One. Look, if you see an ad for a NASCAR race, they don't show the cars going fast; they show the crashes. I'm just saying, Formula yep. One. We're, we're, we're watching you. Um, for me, favorite part of the race was just the fact that it did get spicy again, right? Similar to kind of what you said here with the safety car. It's just, it's been a trend where like these cars, and if you're a new Formula One fan, it's, it's easy to not appreciate it. 
these cars can follow so much better than the past. Oh, that's great, man. Half of the races from this year that we have seen would not have been anywhere near as exciting if we were in 2021 cars because the cars just could not follow, right? Like, you just lose so much downforce. It would just destroy your tires. Like, the fact that last year was such a legendary season was absolutely in spite of the fact that the cars were not in any way really designed to race well. They were designed no. to leave each other behind and, you know, be way, way ahead, right? And what this would happen, year, again, if you're new, is like, so... It's not. It wasn't a speed thing. They they mm. could get close to each other and they would for attacking, but your car would start to get hot. Your tires would start to degrade. So at a certain point, you would have to ease off for a bit and attack again. Like that's what you would see for the first second positions. But what we're getting in this season, with a which is great because we do have a great top two right where they are fighting a lot is we're seeing, like, for five laps, the last five laps, Leclerc is on Verstappen's tail, Mm -hmm. right? He didn't get to do the work, but that has actually this year proven for a lot of great moments because they have been doing that work against each other in the final uh, final laps of the race, where in previous uh, years, you maybe would have got one or two, and then they would have had to pull off, and that would have been it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's clear that, like, these cars are designed to generate their downforce underneath, which means that they're throwing a lot less turbulent air. The older mm-hmm. cars, almost all the sort of downforce, the you know, the pressure pushing them down to the track to help them, you know, take corners faster and whatnot, was on the top of the cars, which meant that it was like a hurricane if you're trying to follow behind another car, right? It was just absolute nonsense airflow everywhere. You would lose tons of speed, which meant that in previous cars, you had to be like, well, maybe not quite a second a lap faster, but you had to be a lot faster to even catch up and to pass someone. And if you didn't get it done, it was done there's no way you're gonna mm-hmm. be able to pass or you are you're able to keep up so uh just shout out yet again to these 2022 cars for really delivering exactly what we had hoped for and shout out to the 2022 season for giving us i i don't want to say it's going to be as great as last year right last year was a truly incredible season but we're getting charles and we're getting max going back and forth race after race after race very similar to what we saw lewis and max doing last year and if this keeps up and the cars stay level whoo we're gonna be in for it my friends we're gonna be in for it all right, well, let's see if it will keep up. So we're back. Is it n- it's two weeks? Or is it I next believe, week? It's I two weeks, it, right? I believe it's two weeks. Because then we're going into a double header, which I'm excited about. Uh, yes, yeah, the 22nd is the next race. It's the Spanish Grand Prix, uh, followed up by uh, Monaco the week after on the 29th. So we're going into a double header. So that's going to be our next race. So I'm excited about that. I mean, I know that this was... Uh, some of the reports are saying we could expect to see some car changes for mm-hmm. the Spanish Grand Prix. Uh, some ex- obviously keeping my fingers crossed for the yeah. old silver arrows. Uh, but I'm, I can't wait for Monaco. I love Monaco. And I'm also like, I have this thought of like, there's going to be, is it in Monaco or Azerbaijan where they go around that really tight corner and there's like a little castle? Oh, oh, that's a, uh, uh, the castle is Azerbaijan. Yeah, there's no castle in Monaco. No, I'm pretty sure. Right? Is it is it Azerbaijan? If I got it's, that right? Are you talking about the Leclerc corner where he keeps running straight into it? Because that's the castle in Azerbaijan. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about the 2022 cars and that Ooh. particular corner. Uh-huh. Will they even fit? Is the question I have. <laughs> I can imagine that this is a street circuit, by the way. Because I think last year we had two street circuits. I think they did Monaco, mm-hmm. and then 
the Azerbaijan race immediately one after each other, which I think was was odd. Um, yeah, Azerbaijan, it's also after Monaco this year. So that's the June 12th race. And so I'm just like, I, I, may, I was making a joke about it, like, will these cars get stuck? But I am genuinely wondering on these really tight street circuits, these cars are a lot bigger than last year. What is going to happen on these street circuits? I'm very intrigued about this. You know, it's actually a good question. Well, I wonder what the actual like difference is in sort of size. Because I know that they're not wider than the cars before. I still think they have that two meter width. But actually, I'm not. I, I know they're heavier. I actually don't know off the top of my head how much longer or shorter they are compared to the last gener- uh, generation of cars. I do think you're right. I think they're a little bit longer, but I'm fairly sure I think they're the they're same bigger width. in some dimension at least. I did read as well. This is unrelated to that, but I think the next regulation change, which I think is in a couple of years, mm-hmm. uh, they are looking to make the cars smaller. Yeah, smaller, lighter, more yeah. fuel efficient. Uh, more powerful sort of electrical components. Um, yeah, yeah. 2026 is currently what the next generation of regulations are scheduled for, which means that there's a whole lot more that's going to change. There's also oh, a man. lot of talk Have that Andretti seen... would be coming in. and Yeah, oh, d- yeah. And also, like, I love all the headlines. Like, the Volkswagen Group, enter. It's like, the, no, it's just like Porsche is doing some parts and maybe there's like a potential for, is it Volkswagen to try and buy for, for McLaren? Audi. Audi so, to try and buy McLaren. Which, I don't know about that. That got shut down. Yeah, so it's it's it really feels like it's silly season right now. But essentially, yep. there's three teams that are looking to join Formula One for the next sort of rules and regulations in 2026. Uh, Andretti, who of course are very famous for not only you know uh, Mario, I think was the one who raced in F1 back in the day. Michael Andretti, I believe, runs the U.S. T- team where they run. Uh, IndyCar, and they may have NASCAR, I'm not entirely sure, but that's an entirely new team that wants to come in. We've got uh, Porsche basically just straight up are going to be sort of linking up with Red Bull, it seems, probably going to be rebranding that power unit to the Porsche power unit, which would be pretty cool. And then Audi looks like they're just trying to buy a team, right? So they tried to buy McLaren and it didn't work. Which none of this is exciting to me. Like, yeah. You know, like when when we hear the Volkswagen Group is wants to be in an F one, everyone's like, "Great, another two teams." No, 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 we're not going to do that. I just yeah. feel like if you're going to do it, do it. Don't do it like this. Actually, do it, Volkswagen. Right? <laughs> like, do what Renault do. Do it or. I- don't you know it seems weird to me look i'd love it uh i mean i think the smart money is that audi buys like sauber or something and alpha you know turns into to audi or something but look and i know part of the problem is it it seems like the existing teams won't let more teams in like i understand that as a thing Mm -hmm. um but i just think like you know people get so excited about this possibility of there being a Porsche F1 team, it's like, no, they're just going to rebrand Red Bull and help them out with their power units. Like uh, Very, very possible. Yeah. So a lot of, uh, a lot of spiciness. Oh, saying about last thing, and then we'll wrap up, uh, you talking about car designs. Have you seen the new Formula E car design? Very interesting. It looks amazing. It looks yeah. like an arrow. I really like it. I really yeah. like it. I also like the fact that uh, you know Formula E continues to evolve pretty quickly. I believe these new cars don't even have rear brakes. It's all regen, at least I believe so, which is super cool. Um, and they're talking about like, being able to recharge them as well during the races. They're going to have some fast charge capability. 
Now that I would love to see to believe, but uh, look, Formula E continues to move forward, and it does seem like for the next generation of uh, Formula One, the electric component will be more powerful, right? So it's going to be a little bit simplified. We're still going to have gas engines. They want to kind of preserve and maybe even improve the sound. Uh, they could do that by installing V10 engines. I'm just going to say that probably would be a good idea. But regardless, seems like uh, Formula One has a healthy still gasoline or biofuel powered future which means that we've got years and years of back markers to talk about mm-hmm. that are not going to have to recharge in the pits every 10 minutes so <laughs> all right we as we mentioned before uh, if you want to hang out with us and uh, you can always come and do that and we record live as soon as we can after every race on youtube you can go to backmarkers.live where you can get to our youtube page you can watch the video on demand version of the recording but also watch us live there in the video on demand version so like what we put up on youtube uh, there is a kind of post-show hangout and Q&A with people that come in and check us out live. So if you do hear the show, if you listen to the show, thank you so much. If you do want an audio version, you can find that at backmarkers.fm. It's a great way to get that. But if you do want that little bit extra where we kind of hang out, uh, you can check out the YouTube videos as well. Uh, we, I don't think I've ever said this before, seriously. But if you are enjoying the show, uh, please like the videos, subscribe if you haven't, and share it with a friend. Yeah. I, you see how I've reserved was trying to not do what the <laughs> what YouTubers do. Like I've really tried to pull that in a little bit. If and I would also ask audio listeners, we love you, right? We try our best to make the show fantastic for you. Could you also just go and do all of that as well? Just go subscribe on YouTube. <laughs> just press like on every video. Would love that. That would be awesome. <laughs> Actually, you know? Mike, I'll say if you could watch with 100% retention every one of the videos, that'd help even more. But I mean, if you could just put it on and mute <laughs> us in a tab, wait, wait, no, also no, no. great. Also, listen to it and subscribe. No, and but they're already the ding-ling listening ding-ling on the audio, right? So, like, if you've already heard the audio, you can if you can listen again if you want to, but you don't need to. Just you know, sub, uh, we appreciate your support in any way, mm-hmm. big or small, and uh, thank you very much. We'll see you in two weeks in. El Spain. Oh my God, I'm not allowing that. <laughs> that is not what we're going to say. We will see you again in two weeks when we are in. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to find out where it is. Barcelona. It is the Barcelona. It's uh, the Gran Premio de España 2022. <laughs> El Spain, here we come. Oh, jeez. 